Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready, today we'll be in the book of Malachi, chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. The title of this sermon is Detestable, Deceitful, Sins of Israel. Here is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. And for us, as we look at this, throughout history, Satan was trying to do one simple thing, destroy the seed of the Messiah. So why would he try to get them to marry foreign women? Because it would make them unholy. So that's why God wipes the world out in Genesis chapter 6. And then they go right back to it. Abraham tells his, uh, Abraham tells his son Isaac, don't take Canaanite women. Esau marries two unbelieving wives. And, and sadly, this is something that goes on throughout the time of Israel. And, it's, and they were intermarrying with the Canaanites. And it was causing problems. And Satan was trying his best to destroy that seed. That's the way he was doing it. And it continued on even through, you know, if you look at Samson. Samson had a thing for Philistine women, right? And Judges 14.3, Then his father and his mother said to him, Is there no women among the daughters of your brethren or among all the people you, that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? Solomon had a huge problem with idolatrous women to the point where he started building in 1 Kings 11, verses 7 through 11, he starts to build places for them to worship. In 1 Kings 11.9 it says, So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who, commanded, uh, who appeared to him twice. And I had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. And we spoke about it a little bit last week with Nehemiah. Nehemiah was dealing with uh, one of the priests that had allowed his son to marry and then now you had all of these people, because the priests did it, all of these people at Nehemiah's time were now marrying foreign women. And, and sadly, they weren't even being brought up speaking Hebrew. They were speaking the foreign language. This is a problem. And this is a problem in our day as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness... And what communion has light with darkness? I heard a pastor say, how do you expect the, the child of the devil to marry a child of God and expect nothing but war? That's what's going to happen. That's why it's always my first question when somebody says, Dad, I needed you to meet so-and-so. Do they know Jesus? 
And it's not to be ugly or rude. It's because, look, I'm trying to save you a lot of heartbreak and pain. I'm serious. That's all I'm trying to do. Now, you may be going, hey, wait a minute, I'm married to an unbeliever. Well, guess what? That doesn't give you a reason to divorce. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. But to the rest, I say, uh, do, uh, not, to, uh, uh, not the Lord say, if any bro uh, brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe if he is willing to leave, live with him, live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean now, but now they are holy. But if the unbelieving departs, let him depart. A brother or, or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. For how do you uh, know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how, or how do you know, O husband, whether you'll save your wife? I can tell you, I have a brother-in-law that was married. Um, it was 14, 15 years before he came to faith. And my sister-in-law lived in that, with that child of the devil and caused great wars in the family. Don't think that you're going to fix her or him. Oh, if I just marry them, they'll become a believer. Nope. Nope. You're getting the best version of him or her when you first start dating. That's the best. That's the cologne, the shaved, the best dressed version, the, the, the nice dresses, the makeup, the hair. That's the best version. I'll go to church with you. Don't play that game. Don't play that game. It's not going to end well. It's not. And so that's why, you know, sometimes people will say, well, man, how come Christians are like that? It's like, man, look, we're trying to save you the heartbreak. Now, I can tell you what two children of the devil can do. 22 years of mess and chaos. But can you understand, like, you have somebody who's a child of God and a child of Satan. Okay? Because it says you're an enemy of God. So you're, you're following the principalities of this world. Okay? Remember we talked about that in Ephesians chapter 2? Do you think that's going to end well? I know on the movies and shows now they're showing that I married Satan or whatever that show is that's supposed to be coming out. You have no clue. No clue. And finally we see dealing with deceitfully with divorce. Malachi chapter 2 verse 13 it says, And the second thing, to, uh, thing you do, you cover the altar with the Lord with your tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with good will from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of a youth with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Now he goes straight into this and he's like, look, you're weeping, you're crying, you're griping. I know all of it. I've known y'all since y'all first made that covenant. I'm involved in it. I'm part of the covenant. And he's like, you know, you're, you're, why aren't you listening to me, God? Because you're dealing treacherously with each other. Deceitfully with each other. And, and it's sad because when, when we do this, we, we think that, you know, because look, there were many times in our marriage that I cried out to God. I didn't have a relationship with him. I didn't know him. I was still running back to my sin the next day. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Get me back in the house. 
and then back out to the streets I went. Now, again, I didn't think I was going to bring all my baggage. Remember I told you about all my, my, the petites last week? That's all my uncles. Divorce, divorce, divorce. My mother's been married three times. My father's been married twice and divorced twice. My mother's been married three times and divorced twice. She took her same mess into the next marriage. Sadly. And we grew up, and the reason why I have a huge issue when we deal with marriage is like you got to be real in your marriage with each other because you're in a covenant with God. And he's like, you can let all these tears and all this wailing and all this stuff out, but you're dealing treacherously with each other. You're, you're, you're like a tennis ball. Y'all are in a tennis match. I'm going to hurt you. 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 And that's what you're doing. It's got to stop. And he goes, all that tears, all that weeping, all that stuff. Look, I can tell you right now to this day, very important to get this. I can't fix who I was for those 22 years. If I could, I would. We should have been divorced within the first probably three months. That's how bad it was. I was 17 years old. We got, I, my mom had to sign my papers to be in the Army and to be married. You know, Alabama, you figured they'd let you do it at 15. I mean, Alabama's Alabama. But, you know, mom had to sign the papers. What did I know at 17? Nothing. You know what I knew? I knew how to hurt a woman. Not physically. By running the streets. By verbal abuse. I learned all that from my father. And my stepfather. I, I had no godly example of a godly marriage in my life. At all. My grandmama and granddaddy wasn't that way because they didn't know God. And not unless there was a deathbed confession, they're both in hell. They never went to church. They never talked about God. They never prayed. My granddaddy spent his weekends with three cases of Pabst Blue Ribbon and some shrimp. And he drank all weekend. And he made alcoholics and drug addiction alcohol uncles. All of my uncles. That's marriage. My Uncle Dickie divorced. Uncle Jimmy divorced twice. Uncle Jackie twice. What marriage was I supposed to grow up in and learn how to be a godly man? How was I even supposed to know what a godly husband looked like? I'm not making excuses, but I brought all of that baggage into the marriage. My wife, she came from the other side of it. Very strong Catholic. Their marriage, mom and dad, married 50-something years, right? But probably not 50 happy years. A lot of hurt and pain. They treated each other severely bad. And they, they dealt with the covenant of marriage because it was a covenant they had to maintain. And they didn't do it out of love for each other. Out of agape love. So this is how we start our marriage. We bring all that stuff into it. Now, the only reason, the only reason I'm still married today is because of Louis and Gloria Torres, my wife's parents. Because my wife suffered the way her father suffered for all those years. My, my mother-in-law was a, whew, she was, she acted a lot like the lady on uh, Wizard of Oz, the witch. God bless her. She was, you know, sweet and small as she could be. But when she got fired up, that woman would, she'd throw brooms, throw chanclas, throw, I mean, it, she let it rip. And my, my, my father-in-law suffered for many years. He was, I would say, sometimes physically abused. But my wife suffered and stayed in it for 22 years. 
any other woman would have been like after year three we're getting an annulment we're done or year you know third month that she would have been like we're getting an annulment this is done it's over but when we when we look at our relationships we are to do some simple things first uh, peter chapter 3 verse 7 says likewise husbands live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessels it's it's not about who's stronger or weaker you know uh, mentally or physically it, it has to do with the fact that you are to honor her to honor her she's your helper since they are heirs with you of the grace of life when you're arguing with each other do you think you have the grace of life happening oh no oh no there's no grace in your life there's no peace in your life there's no peace in your house. When mom and dad are going at it, guess what? The children are suffering. They're suffering. And I love the last part, so that your prayers may not be hindered. If you're treating her badly, talking to her badly, not showing honor to her, guess what, men? Your prayers ain't going up to heaven. They're stopping at the ceiling. You're wasting your time. You need to get right with her. You need to do the right thing. Can you show grace? Can you show mercy? Can you show love? Can you show humility? Hey, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted that way in front of the kids. Be honest. Be real. Your feet are made of clay. She knows that. She sees it every day. If anybody knows you better than anybody, it's your, your spouse. She knows you. She knows all of your mess. And guess what? You know all of hers. That's the beauty of marriage. And in that, God is trying to grow both of you, individually and as a couple. Colossians 3.19, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Why does he have to say that? Have you ever asked that question? Because men sometimes are very harsh in the way that they respond. See, we are to not rule as a dictator. We're to, to rule with love. And so, men, you set the tone in the house and that's why i always come to you is because you're the leader of the home so you are the husband you are the model of christ in the home you are to be christ-like in the home and guess what everything falls in place after that but you want to be a dictator you want to allow division and the devil to get in open the door he'll come right on in because he's sitting at the door waiting to devour your spouse and your children that's what the devil's sitting around waiting to do. Marriage is, is not a joke to God. And they had made it an abomination. The Lord's holy institute. It's becoming an abomination. And it, and it has in our world today. We have people that are wanting to marry inanimate objects. What is wrong with them? I mean, they look as white as those tables. Like they haven't seen the sun in a year. And they're like, I'm going to marry this doll. And I'm like, You're, it's the Lord's holy institution you're making a mockery of it but why do we have that happen look at verse 15 he said but he did not make them one have a remnant of the spirit and why one he seeks godly offspring therefore take heed to your spirit and let no one deal treacherously with the wife of his youth he's saying look don't deceitfully deal with the wife of your youth because look the purpose of y'all being together is so you have godly offspring that was the purpose. Y'all are to be one because you are going to bring someone that has a little bit of your DNA and a little bit of your DNA and they're going to have their own DNA because they were created in the womb by God. 
And that's a beautiful thing. Be fruitful in what? Multiply. That's what we've all been called to do. And that's why, you know, when we think about your joining into one flesh in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it's God that holds us together. And through us being held together through God, He's like, I'm going to create a holy seed. I'm going to create a, a child from you. But if you're fighting like cats and dogs, nothing's going to happen. If you're going to allow these, these things to be deceitfully done between you two, this is what's going to happen. And that's what happens with a lot of men today and a lot of women. Unfortunately, they're both struggling with pornography. And it destroys the marriage. I mean, it absolutely destroys a marriage because of the way that you look at your spouse because it, it's, it's just wrong. You're committing adultery. Oh, wait a minute. I'm just watching a video. No, you're committing adultery. You're looking at lust on that person. And a lot of times what happens is, is people become more enamored with their PC and their phones and their laptops and their tablets than they are with their spouses that God has given them. Verse 16, for the Lord God, this is the last verse, everybody's like, please stop. For the Lord God of Israel says that he is like, can you just tell us happy Thanksgiving? Let's go. Uh, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Now, again, I, I'm going to speak on this from being a child of divorce. I, I can tell you through all the things that me and my wife went through, um, it wasn't until year 22 of our marriage that we came to know Jesus. My wife had come to know Christ a few years before, but she never had any discipleship. No church, no, she, she just, there was nothing that happened after she said the prayer. Follow-up. And, and so for me, the, the thing that, that stood out to me is like, I... I, you know, I had been in combat. That didn't bring me to Christ. You would think that would. A lot of people come to faith in a foxhole. That does happen. Um, I got sick when I was 28. I got an autoimmune disease, Sjogren's, and I have a, uh, another illness called porphyria. And i uh, been sick since I was 28 years old. Didn't bring me to faith. My wife separated. The divorce word got thrown out. But I was like, oh, we'll work that out. But after she left the second time, I knew she was serious. And that's when God got a hold of me. He used something from my childhood that caused great pain. And I had a five-year-old, Matthew. Many of y'all know him. He's 21 now. And all I could do is look at Matthew, and I was a year older than him when my mom and dad divorced. Two selfish people. Can I be honest with you? The most selfish people in the world. My dad chose alcohol over his family. My mother was having an affair. My dad left on a Friday. My new stepfather, who eventually became my stepfather, was in a jeans as is a hippie, no shirt on in my kitchen on Saturday morning. And I'm like, what, who are you? And my world was destroyed. My mom eventually ended up worshiping my stepfather. And my father dove deeper into the bottle of alcohol. And we became pieces on a chessboard of divorce that were moved around and used to hurt each other. Mom, dad, mom, dad. Who do you pick? 
Who do you want to be with? Divorce is a deadly thing. And people think for whatever reason, I don't know what your thought of it is, but a lot of people think that, oh, I'm going to get divorced and I'm not going to have to deal with that person no more. You're out of your mind. Birthday parties, marriages, weddings, you still... The first time my mom and dad were ever together in the same room was at our wedding. They were ready to kill each other. My wife couldn't figure out why, what's wrong. I was like, man, my mom and dad are losing their minds. The, the, they were ready to go at each other. I'm 17 years old. It's still going on. They still deal with each other now as grandkids at graduation ceremonies and stuff like that. Mom and dad still, still see each other. 70-something years old. I mean, they were at my daughter's wedding. You don't just disconnect from each other just because you divorce. See, what God is trying to get you to get in your head is, is that divorce. He hates divorce because it, it's, it creates all these other problems. He's like, you, you joined in a holy covenant with me. And, and let me tell you, marriages go through hard times. We have 22 years of marriage. We have had some hard times. My kids have experienced some of those. We're walking with God. We, we, man, it took us a year of Christian counseling to fix the mess of 22 years. But God did. God did. We were both committed. And look, man, the therapist spent a lot more time on me than he did her. <laughs> so that tells you who brought in the baggage. And that's okay. Because I did not want my kids to go through what I went through. That's what God, like through all the brokenness that I had been through in my life, I would not run to God. It wasn't until that was a reality that divorce was probably going to happen. And, and I prayed. The only thing I prayed was like, Lord, please, if you're going to do anything, save my marriage. I don't have any reason to ask for anything else. The reason why I bring this up is because when a Barner survey was done, they actually did a survey, and they, when they did the survey, they found out that there are more Christians that are divorced than non-Christians. So this is a lot like what's happening in Israel. We, I, I don't like you. I'm done. I'm divorcing. We just, I'm done. I'm not going to try to work through it. I'm, I'm done. And so my question, and I'll end it here, is it how many of you how many of you had that verse in first corinthians 13 and your wedding love suffers long and is kind love does not envy love does not parade itself is not puffed up does not behave rudely does not seek its own is not provoked and thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in truth bears all things believes all things hopes all things and endures all things love never fails now i want you to think how many of you had that at your wedding the pastor read that or somebody read that how is that going how's that going think about that just for a little bit today when you think about your marriage think about applying some of those things pastor chuck would always tell you to put your name there where love mike suffers long and is kind mike does not envy mike does not parade itself like, am I doing any of those things? Am I parading myself around? Am I, uh, 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 am I suffering long or am I complaining? But if you're in a place where you've thrown that word out of divorce, don't. Don't ever use that word. And the reason why I say that is because as soon as you do that, people start digging their heels in and they start 
they're ready to start fighting now. And they start bringing stuff from, man, I, like I said, my wife could sit here for written books that would be of all the mess that I made in those 22 years. But we had to start fresh. And that was one of the things that we learned is that like, like from here on out, God is going to hold us both accountable. And we're in a covenant with God. Like I, I stood in front of a, a priest. We got married in a Catholic church because that was the only place they would marry us, which tells you a lot. We weren't even attending the church. They were just like, hey, come on. You got to go through these classes. And I didn't even want to do the classes. Um, but the reality of it was is we didn't realize that when we stood before that, we were entering into a covenant regardless if it would have been a pastor or whoever. It was still a covenant between us and God. We didn't understand that as non-believers. And it wasn't even conveyed to us as, as, as at the time as Catholics. We didn't understand that. But we understand it now. And I pray that you understand that God looks at marriage as a holy thing and don't treat it as something that, that, um, that is detestable. And don't deal treacherously with each other, trying to hurt each other back and forth. All it takes is one person to walk in love and to be obedient to Christ. And then God can do the work in the marriage. And that starts with the person in the mirror. That's where it starts. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 